Welcome to the Batphone Podcast, where we talk about combat sports, comic books, gaming, pop culture, and anything else my friends want to talk about. Hosted by yours truly, Nick Batman Hughes. Alright, picking up the Batphone this week is South Australia's most elusive man, <laughs> Kerry Smith. How are you, man? Yeah, good, thanks, man. Good to be here. Yeah, dude, I'm so happy to have you on. I've been hounding you down for about a month now to come onto the podcast. Yeah, you have. But it's, um, <laughs> it's because I want to hear from you. You know, like, it's one of those interesting things when I announced you as coming onto the podcast. People started reaching out, like, yes, Kerry, oh, it's going to have such a good story. And, and I'm like, well, I understand why they're saying that because the first time I ever heard about you, I ever saw you was on the first MMA Down Under show when you fought Dylan Opitz on that show. You know what I mean? And I, I did rattle off a couple of the people and a couple of the places that you've trained in the past. And I mean, there's the firm. I'm pretty sure you yeah. you're involved yeah, in no, those guys. Yeah. Then Ringworks with Kim Robinson and Trent Taboo and just the whole crew there, like Stan and Scuds and all those guys. Yeah. And then obviously now you've traveled through to with Miles at M16 and sort of like every iteration of that crew, everything in between it. But I feel like that's sort of like tip of the iceberg of, of who you've really been yeah, involved probably, with. Um, I've been lucky enough to train with most of the guys around Adelaide at yeah. some stage, um, purely through, through trying to find the best guys all the time. Yeah. I've been beaten yeah. up in nearly every gym. <laughs> I saw some pictures of you so. with Nate as well. Yep, yep. Yep. And you were involved with Killer Bees, so that's Kate Brown and the boys. Yeah, that was with um that was three Ringworks. Yep. Uh quite early days with Trent Taboo, Kim, uh Tim Cartwright. I don't yep. know if you know yep. him. I know Tim. Um yeah. It's amazing though, dude. Like because it's kind of like, especially back in the day, the two sides of the world. It was like the eastern suburbs or the northern suburbs where you had SABJJ and Northside and there was there was fighting happening there, yeah. right? But then it was down south and there was fighting happening here and we literally had no idea about each other. Yeah. So when we first came together onto, on those shows, we're basically fighting each other and we all thought we were the only people who were doing this thing. Yeah, that's in, right. You know what I mean? And then we found out there's a whole new world out there. And Sue found out we knew nothing as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all found out collectively yeah, that we right. knew nothing. But man, I would love to hear your perspective on those olden days because I've given my perspective on it. Obviously, I fought Adam on that first show as well and, and as I, as I alluded to, like my sphere was very separate from your sphere, but... How did it get started? How did it get off the ground? Um, for me, it was even probably before that. There was a Sanshaw uh, firestorm. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. It I was do like remember C class rules with headgear yep. and um, and obviously had terrible skill level and probably yeah. fitness as well, like severe lack of preparation. But I got to fight uh, Brian Collins, okay. who was training with Scott Dempster at the time. Yep, and they had a little gym on. I think it was Brighton Road, possibly. Um, and man, that was a learning curve. Yeah. Sort of going in there, nervous as hell, thinking I was prepared and thinking I knew what I was doing <laughs> and then uh, learning the complete opposite. And sort of from there, deciding that we had to branch out, yeah. learn some real skills and um, find some people to, other people to learn from. Yeah. So that's when started trying to go to the firm, uh, visited Leo Aruda yep. as well. Um, yeah. And then... Obviously, Dylan submitted me then as uh, one of the yeah. guys I, I really looked up to his jiu-jitsu at the time yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, that wasn't too disheartening because I knew he was a, he was a tough a guy, guy going yeah. into that. And then, yeah, just grew from there, man. We're talking about things that happened 
a long time ago as well. Yeah. Like this, this learning curve for us that took place, it kind of happened via rules, like the rules yeah. necessity. So you'd be fighting in a rule set and anytime you had a rule set to anything, you sort of have to play to it and game to the system. But the rules for MMA at the time were still segmented. They weren't the yeah. universal rules in a cage that you'd get now. And um, I remember, there, yeah, there were some Sanchal Sandow shows that had sort of like popped up independently of MMA. It had nothing to do with trying to segue into MMA. It wasn't like it was catered. No, they wanted their own little yeah, exactly. niche market. It, yeah. was, it was completely catered for their own thing, you know, so... MMA wasn't really even on the cards and there had to be this really concerted push to get the rules passed for MMA. And yeah. even then, what rules are we really talking about? it was a struggle at the time It was too. such a struggle, man. Multiple people have come forward saying that, you know, they made DVDs and made presentations. I know the ISO guys were involved in presentations. I know that I, myself and Dave DeConti were involved in presentations yeah. to the Sport and Rec board about what is MMA? What are these <laughs> rules? Why do we want... You know, striking on the ground to take place. Why do we want a rule set in which grappling and striking can be involved in in the same you know in the same bout? Because for some reason, people thought it was the most dangerous thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. I get that it's a very stark visual. Yeah, like having someone strike another person on the floor is very difficult for people to understand. Yeah, definitely. But they're happy to watch boxing. They're happy to yeah. watch kickboxing and Muay Thai. But, and they're also happy to watch wrestling and judo. You know, those grappling arts are very respected. And the impacts are the same across yeah, the board. It's literally yeah. exactly the same. But yeah. when you start to break it down to the letter of the law and how that impacts people. Like, for example, a standing eight count or a ten count in boxing is truly barbaric. Yeah. Like, that is where all the damage takes place. It's that initial concussive event that occurs. You can knock someone down and potentially out. If they've got really good cardio and really good conditioning and they're used to having their brain reverberate a little bit, they might be able to get up within that 10 yeah. seconds. And then they stand to get knocked down again and again and again. It's that close quarters concussive events. That's what can do the damage. Yeah. Whereas to the letter of the law in MMA, if you cannot intelligently defend yourself, you have lost the fight. So you might be in the fetal position on the floor, like in the turtle, yeah. getting struck on you know, covering up, protecting your vitals, but not really not, taking damage, not necessarily not taking the same type of damage that you would if you had your hands down in front of someone standing up and getting destroyed. Yeah. But you're not intelligently defending yourself. You're not attempting to progress position. Therefore they stop the fight. So those TKOs that you see happen on the floor, on the ground in MMA, they're not quite as barbaric as they seem to be. No, it's just, not. and I, look reasonably being fighters, we understand it, but also reasonably, we can't expect people who don't partake in the sport to really understand it as well. So if you've just got, you know, your mum watching, <laughs> she's probably going to think it's ridiculous that you can punch someone. Why is someone letting this happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So I don't know. You, and there is a pathway in MMA to walk in, not throw any punches whatsoever and win the fight or lose the fight. Yeah, that's right. You can, you can walk in and win and give no damage and walk in and lose and receive no damage. Yeah. The same can't be said for Muay Thai or boxing. Uh, it so, doesn't you happen. Know, th those were some of the arguments we were trying to push at the time, but those are the un unseen things and unheard of things. I got to, uh, I got to fight James McGlashan at the oh, St. Clair yeah. Rec Center once. And um, I remember him... I tried to armbar him and he got on top of me 
and threw a massive elbow straight down <laughs> into the through my head into the canvas. Wow. And I remember that sort of reverberating through me thinking, oh God, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> he was a tough customer, man. Oh yeah, he was. Is he, he still was. fighting, you know? Uh, I'm not sure. You're still fighting. You're still going, you're still <laughs> well, cranking. I don't know that I'm fighting. Hey, anymore, fighting, fighting. I'm still a... But you're the type of guy that could. I'm trying yeah. not to grow old too fast. <laughs> Every iteration of MMA in this state has involved Kerry Smith. <laughs> That's actually a, a true statement when you think about yeah. it. You know, I've sat in front of people before and rattled off their history and I've seen their eyes glossing over and like, oh shit, I actually did do that. <laughs> like, you have quite a resume. The, the shows that you fought on, you fought in a ring and in the cage in every MMA promotion I can possibly think of that's come to this state. Maybe barring Eternal. Did you fight no, on I Eternal? No, I didn't. You I think the thing is I didn't fight a lot. Yeah. So I, I would fight, go away and train, live a bit of life, try and get better and then come back with a new sort of yeah. version and a new perspective each time, I think. And I think you did a good job of that, man. I remember your fight with Rainer. That that was really cool to see you. That was like you were coming out party of your skill set to me. Yeah, yeah. That was what you deserved um, because I had known how much you'd been putting in and for how long you'd yeah. been putting in for. And you hear through the grapevine about guys as well, about who's in the gym and who's trying to get better and who contributes yeah. as well. Like yeah. who's in the gym helping other people. And that shit counts. It really counts, man. Especially for people who've been involved in it in a long time. You learn what the value of it actually is. As much as it's a selfish sport too, you learn that it takes, what you know, tens if not hundreds of different people. Yeah to help you do it or for you to help them sort of achieve in the sport. Yeah. I mean, how many champions do we actually have? How many guys do you know who you could say right off the bat, or oh, this guy could be top three in the world, or this person's going to be in the UFC? Yeah. Maybe three, maybe one a, to three. It's a, it's a time and place thing as yeah. well. You yeah. know, the guy has to have that run, you know, and be lucky with no injuries, yep. get the correct matchups and things like that too. So literally everyone else whether they know it or not they're like playing a high level support role yeah you know and but that's cool yeah. that's cool man that's that's what breeds trust that's what creates a community and when you hear about those people around you value them and you're yeah. you're one of those guys that's what, i'm one of those guys that's you know what, what keeps mean? a lot of us in the gym yeah. as well yeah look i i really i really identify with that because i've, I've said it on on more than a few occasions i'm not gonna i'm not a well beater yeah. I'm not going to beat Declan up when he comes to comp class, you know what I mean? I'm sore today, you know what I mean? Who can? But, yeah, but that's, that, that's the thing. Like, And I said to him last night, literally, me in the position that I'm in, if I'm not investing in you, someone who's like at the top tier representative of South Australia and Australia, yeah. if I'm not trying to help you and make you better, what the fuck am I doing, man? Like, what role am I really You've playing? You've spent so many years polishing your own skills that you may as well share yeah. them now as well, yeah. whether it be teaching or least sharpening someone else. And Harry was telling me a story last night about you. Apparently you have the pound for pound strongest grips in the academy. <laughs> working on the rigs for so long. I don't know how true that is. But... Oh, he, he said that uh, you wanted to develop some side control defense against big guys. Yeah. And you basically had him start on top in every role and coached him through what to do and he still couldn't do anything about it. I thought that was I think I've got like classic. nine years training on him though as well. So, <laughs> you know, practicing escapes that much longer helps. Oh man, it really has been that long, hasn't it? Yeah. Damn, man. But tell me about some of those early training experiences that you had. I mean, obviously the game has evolved and things have changed, but what, what kind of value and what kind of memories do you have of of those times um the hardest thing i think was learning that 
training 100% and hard sparring 100% was not the way. Yeah. I think we kind of went from having no skills to finding tough guys and then trying to keep up with them, which meant getting beat up all the time. Mm-hmm. Being a part of that and then learning to love it, falling in love with hard mm-hmm. sparring too much. Um, and then slowly just figuring out that you don't have to do that all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, going to the firm, getting beaten up by Miles and Steve Bean and those sort of guys. <laughs> and then jumping along to Ringworks and having like Adam Collett, um, Damien Collegia come in and like wrestle you yeah. through the mats into the DC, concrete. see that's right. Did he fight on the Sandshell show as well? He did. He also, he fought on another show too. Yeah. Um, he was a pretty yeah. incredible athlete He was like, one of the earliest well. guys who I ever heard about doing MMA in the state. Same as Kim. Obviously, Kim Robinson trained. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, man. <laughs> the names that get thrown up, dude. Like when you've been around it for long enough. But you know, you, you're hundred percent right, man. Even to this day, people fall in love with sparring, and yeah, they, and they leave their best rounds in the sparring room. You know, I I've honestly come to the realization that it comes from insecurity. People, people who are athlete athletes, they mask their. Uh, insecurity with overtraining in the weights room or in the conditioning room. Yeah. You know what I mean? They get into fight camp and they're like, fuck, I'm not fit enough. Because yeah. that's what they know. Well, everyone has that to yeah. some extent. You know, yeah. either you, you, you know, certain moves aren't good enough or yeah. your, your fitness isn't good enough. That's what keeps you training. Yeah, but like they bridge the gap yeah. mentally in the weights room and it deteriorates. Them. Yeah. But then there's other guys who are fighter fighters. You know, I took like Tim, Tim, um, Rogers is one of them, Mason and Levi, these types of guys. They, if they are getting a little bit anxious or insecure about their work rate when it comes to fight camp, they don't feel like they've done enough. It'll be sparring that they lean on. Yeah, it'll be the active, the act of the fight. Yeah, they, they win, try on. and win some rounds, and yeah. then it builds that up confidence for themselves. But then there's that tipping point, right? Yeah. And if you come from the old school where that's pretty much all you had to work shit out then of course you're going to lean on it. Yeah. The learning process that you're describing about how you move past that and what it looks like, that's, um, that's the evolution of the sport. That's a skill in itself too. Like even in just jujitsu, that's taken me a long time mm-hmm. to start implementing because everyone gets guilty of going too hard every now and again mm-hmm. and then you back yourself off. But uh, Luke Vidler, he's a guy yeah. who in the gym, he's like in a constant learning state. Yeah. And he's really like... It's like effortless for him. Mm. If you watch him, the way he trains, and he just soaks everything up like a sponge, and then when it's time to go, he just does it. Yeah, It's really cool to see. I love those types of guys in the academy, yeah. man. And I know that you're in a similar position to, to what I am. I mean, to call us veterans is, this just boggles my mind, but we are now. You feel like a veteran. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like an old man. I don't feel like a veteran. But it's one of those things, like, that's inspirational to you. That can yeah. be very motivating to see... New people come to the sport, sponge it up. Yeah. And the act of them just getting better and learning and, and just being this way in the academy, it can be very inspiring. And, and as you said, you're the type of person that has gone away and come back and gone away and come back. And it feels like the advent of the new M16 trajectory in terms of the way it's going with the academy, the type of influences that you have around the academy now it has re-inspired you. I've seen a new resurgence in your willingness to compete in jiu-jitsu. So it's likely that jiu-jitsu has been a new motivating pathway for you personally. Jiu-jitsu has always been the thing that I loved. Yeah. Though, Like MMA was almost like a bit of a test. Okay. Um, 
I always liked the idea of fighting. You, you know what it's like. Oh, you trained a bit of martial arts. You know, you yeah. think you're a bit of a tough guy. How am I going to test this? Yeah. Well, real fighting's MMA, or as close yeah. as you can sort of, you can sort of get. Um, but I've always loved jujitsu. There's just something about it that it's you know, you can never really know enough jujitsu, and you can always get better and always improve. Yeah, I, I think that um, stylistically you have changed. You've changed your idea behind what you want to achieve with your jiu-jitsu as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think you're a more attacking grappler now yeah. than I've ever seen you be. You know, you've always been positionally sound and you understand the game, but now it's, it's almost less about that and you really want to look to parlay that into finish, finish-oriented jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Is, do you feel like that's a true statement? Yeah, well, I guess it's sort of a, it's an organic thing in guessing in the way that you learn. Like, we sort of learn, most guys learn, like, escapes and guard and, mm. and those sort of things to begin with. So I think triangles are what saved me early on. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a guy would be attacking, oh, quick, grab him with yeah. your legs and hope for a triangle. And then I learned through, I guess, ring works, um, how to have a little bit of wrestling influence there. Mm. I would never call myself a wrestler, but... <laughs> You know, some takedowns, some side control, some top pressure. Um, and then now with guys like Declan and Adam Jones and Miles in the gym, you have to learn to, like, have a tight half guard. You have to learn to pass well, take the back. Like, mm. yeah, it's hard not to try and keep up with those guys. Yeah. So when they're posing you with these, uh, these propositions for super fights and invitationals and things like this, your answer has just been automatic yes? Oh, uh, it. Honestly, I'm like it's more like saying to Miles and Adam and stuff like if you guys have a have a match, like please can I yeah. can I do it? Because that's what keeps me motivated. Yeah. So it really is what keeps you motivated yeah. now. Yeah. No, that's so cool, man. Like for all these years later, for that to be your outlook and your perspective, it does speak volumes to your character. You know, even going up against Jarek to have someone he's high he's a high level guy yeah. trained a lot. It means I have to rise to meet him. You yeah. know what I mean? And that sort of makes me train and makes me try and improve. It's, that's like, it's old school, new school. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like the old school idea of just, you know, two highly skilled guys who are <laughs> willing, willing and ready to go at it. But in a new school format, you know what I mean? A new yeah. school format of what is currently uh, not just popular, but like applicable. Yeah. What is the most relevant format that you guys can go out and challenge your skills in in terms of being a grappler? It's the ADCC rule set. Yeah. It really is. I think the other rule set that I'm really enjoying at the moment um, is the who's number one. Who's oh, number yeah. one? The, just the yeah. idea that you can have a 15-minute submission only bout. Yes, there are judges at the end of it, which, you know, that's always, you know, objective to a certain point. <laughs> but one of the things I do like about it is every five minutes they give uh, like a, a signal as to who the judges believe is in front yeah. at that point in time. And it's based on submission attack, positional attack, all of those little criteria that you would usually see, but the whole fight is judged, not like five-minute blocks. They just give an indicator of who they think is in front. So it kind of prompts them to you know, either keep doing what they're doing or, shit, I need to pick Push it up. Push hard and make a move. It's really cool, man. Yeah. And some of the coolest interactions I've seen in grappling have been taking place on those shows. Like yeah, you right. get to see the Ruotolo brothers battle it out with the death squad, with Krellistan and like, um, and Nicky Ryan himself. You know what I mean? Like those types of interactions are really cool. Obviously Craig has been on there a fair amount <laughs> uh, and he's just entertaining. Yeah. At the, you know, at the end of the day, like he is 
super skilled and very entertaining and it's a place that you could potentially see him compete every month they're putting on shows every month and it's an awesome little format it's kind of lucky that it's become more of a spectator sport too yeah just through like big promotions but also i don't know just the evolution of jiu-jitsu and grappling has made it more exciting to watch i think the popularity of no gi has done that yeah gi has always been hard for the public to get around even judo has been somewhat perceived as niche yeah because of the fact that they're wearing a gi uh, and gripping isn't as transferable to you know it, it's not transferable to mma which is the most popular but it's also not as immediately obvious to the public as to why it's good yeah uh, like uh, the intricacies of it are very learned so yeah. you'd have to be involved in a sport already that has a gi to really appreciate to it to understand it properly yeah but no gi is not like that and due to the fact that there are less there is less traction and there are less tactile handles just the freneticism and pace and the style that's developed because of the leg lock game um, you can't hang around too long in open guard or in De La Hiva. Like you've got to use this to bowler. You've got to counter attack off of every opportunity and because you can be submitted at any limb at any time. And it is very submission attack oriented these days. Yeah. It's not so much pass the guard and hold. It's pass the guard and seek. Like seeking yeah. counters as you pass. And guys aren't so surprised nah. anymore. Yeah. No, no. No, that's right. Like they know that that step back into saddle is coming. You know what I mean? Everyone's to like knee cut bait you into trying to come up and they're going to step back into that saddle. Like everyone knows that yeah. shit now. So what's next? You know? Is shin to shin really going to work out for you that well? If people know how to shut it down and weave past, like what's next? And yeah. that's what's really cool. I mean, I was talking to Declan last night just about his style being really transferable to any weight class. You know, he's a submission attack oriented grappler who has a lot of really good choices, but I mean, he can sweep you and leg lock you. He can sweep you and pass your guard. He has decisions. He can make the choice whether he wants to engage in the leg lock battle with you or not, or he can come up and pass immediately with, you know, that old school, new school passing style. You know what I mean? And his twister hook and his ability to take the back <laughs> and his ability to stick to you and through chase those you while he's inverting and ridiculous, yeah. absolutely ridiculous. But literally any weight class that you can transfer that style to, yeah. And I think that is why uh, nogi has become very, very popular because people can see it at any weight class, but they can see it in any format as well. Like they can see those techniques being transferable to MMA or transferable to pure jujitsu or like even wrestling competitions. And then guys can teach it too. Yeah. You know, you don't have to specify like, oh, this is a great technique, but it might not work for this 30% of the room. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a a really good observation Mm. actually, because sometimes you do have to qualify the lesson by... Well, if you've got really long legs, this is going to work out for you. If you've got stumpy arms like me, this is going to work out for you. I mean, there's still times to do that. But yeah. Because, as you say, it's getting a little bit more leveled and people understand it a little bit more. You can't get away with well, There's stuff. more principles now instead mm. of just, uh, you know, you have to do this in this position. It's more of an idea of yeah. like chasing hips, pinning shoulders, you know, looking for underhooks in certain spots. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah creating dilemma, trilemma situations. Yeah. And this is all knowledge now this is all known stuff this isn't like uh oh it's just the highest levels who know this this is what everyone's doing there's no secret techniques white belts coming up that know it they've got it you know i mean they've got it right there on a plate for them so let's see what happens man let's see but the fact that we're able to talk on this level and speak on this level 
you can hear it in our voices, man. It's exciting. People who have been involved in it for over 15 years, you know, it's still exciting to see these evolutions. And yeah. I think that's why we are still here. I think that's why we're still having these conversations. Because there's get... new stuff happening all the there time. Is. Yeah. And you, it's, it's like skateboarding, man. Like, how good can it get? Like, yeah. how, how much more can they do? <laughs> but, you know, they're still doing it, man. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to a few of the upcoming events. It was really cool to see that, you know, Adam and Miles was still able to put on this upcoming at M16. Yeah, very lucky with all the COVID stuff that's been sort yeah, of going on. Yeah. They, they got matches chopped and when they re-announced that it was still going ahead, I think I posted something on Instagram, like they were the first ones who were giving opportunities when COVID hit, just for internal competitions yeah. to keep everyone going. And it started something that we never really thought was going to happen here, which was, this is like a semi-professional league now with the the M16 Open. And I really look forward to it. There's a lot of cool stuff on Flow Grappling, you know, (laughs) but I really look forward to the M16 Open. And there's nearly every gym in the state is like friendly and civil with each other. Most of the guys have friends in each gym. Mm. Whereas in the old days, it used to be like, oh, you're from... Aruda or SABJJ or what? Like, don't go near them. Don't, yeah, don't even yeah, look yeah. in the eye. Yeah, no, I was like that, man. I was so like that. You kind of like indoctrinated into this line of thinking that if they know more than us, then they must be better than us. Or do they know more than us? Well, no, no, we must be better than They're them. trying to get our secrets. <laughs> what are these amazing secrets that we have? Like, step past. Everyone's watching the same instructionals, you know what I mean? Like, chill out. There was only three out at the time anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like Demi and Maya, Science of Jiu-Jitsu, Marcelo Garcia's like MGN action. And then you could sign up to like uh, the 10th Planet website yeah, if you wanted right. to as well. Like, ayahuasca.com. <laughs> this is all real shit that we used to have to do, man. Like, there was, this shit didn't exist, but... Man, I'm, I'm thankful to have lived through all of those years and just to see you out there still like on the mats and progressing and, and looking for opportunities in competitive settings. It's, it's pretty inspiring to someone like me, man. There's, um, a lot of guys improving though, you know, getting to train with some of the same guys who have sort of like grown up, I mm. guess is the word around this, like miles or even yourself and Declan to really, you wouldn't want to fall to the wayside after all that time and uh. just not, you know, don't have to be as good as those guys you know you only need to uh, measure yourself but why not keep going mm. yeah and even as a coach like i'm not competing anymore yeah i'm doing the students a massive disservice if i do not personally strive to evolve yeah and get better like how much understanding can i really impart on them and how much leading by example can i really do if i'm not striving to get better and if i'm not getting beat up as well like someone said yes i mean declan is obviously going to come in and beat me up yeah i'm doing air quotes in front of my students <laughs> oh no that's going to be the worst thing that's ever thought they're going to think you're shit they're all going to go to m16 first off i hope they fucking do go to, i hope they fucking do go to m16 and get whooped by declan just like i did but like if my students think that i'm the ceiling like I'm the best yeah. or if that's the measure of how yeah. someone is as a coach or teacher yeah either. man they're just they're, it's not true they're living in yeah. a false sense of reality you know what I mean like my my abilities as a coach I work on heavily you know and, and imparting knowledge and translating knowledge and the way that I 
speak and my actions, the way that I'm speaking in the act of coaching competitions and in the act of coaching in the academy, that's something I take a lot of pride in. It's something I work on really heavily, but they have to know that I am not the be all and end all of being a practitioner. If they roll with me and they have a hard time, great, but I'm nowhere near the best in the world. I'm nowhere near the best in the state nor Australia when it comes to being a practitioner. But that should hopefully inspire them to go out there and find out what it's like yeah. to see and feel the next level. Like I want people to, to go through that. And I'm sure your gym's similar too. Like you can have guys who might be a blue belt, but they're young, hungry and fit. And if you're not putting the pressure on or being smart and you get lazy, they'll catch you. They will. Yeah. And that's not through your jujitsu not being any good or there's not being any good either. And you just playing it down. It's just how it is. And if you're, if you're rolling enough, that shit should happen all the time. Yeah, that's right. Like how many hours on the mat are you going to spend? Are you going to be like super switched on and precise every day? Hey, maybe you had a long day at work yeah. and you're not switched on well, that. You've done day. seven sessions that week. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And you, you know, this is your thousandth hour of the week. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh no, I'm in this fucking dust of this you long limb blue belt. It. Like, guess what? You're going to get submitted by yeah. these people, and you should. And then they'll get submitted by other people, and it can be stylistic, and they get confidence from that, and maybe they. Maybe they catch you with something that they get surprised at their own ability. Yeah. And then they follow that path. They caught you in a triangle. They thought their triangles were okay before that. But then they caught you in this triangle. This guy has been doing it for ages. And you're like, "Ah, good job, man. Well done. That was a great triangle. And they hear you say that. And they feel that they got it legitimately. And they're like, fuck, I'm going to do triangles all the time. Everyone. (laughs) And guess what? (laughs) They're going to develop the best triangle you've ever seen, man. Like some stuff like that. I think it takes, I think it takes experience to understand. Yeah. And I think it takes experience to understand how that trickle down effect plays out over time. And I think people like yourself and people like myself who who play a good support role, we're willing to put ourselves in those positions for that reason. The better everyone else gets around us, the more confident they are, the better we'll get as well. So we can be as selfish about it as we want. But (laughs) wouldn't, wouldn't it be like if these people come into the academy and they're your friends and you give a shit about them, wouldn't you want them to get as good as Yeah, you as want them to be successful. Yeah. 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 And the cool thing about it, and I've talked a lot about this, is it's not just my academy now. I'm like a kid in a candy store because I am legitimately happy to see how good everyone else is doing. Yeah. And it's yourself as well. That's part of the reason why I wanted to bring you onto the yeah. podcast <laughs> is to be like, you're doing awesome. And that, that makes me feel happy, man. Because I remember those days. I remember those first couple of fights. Oh, and, we're feeling old and beaten up. That's nice uh, to hear, I guess. <laughs> yeah, dude. You've earned it. You've earned the old beaten up feeling, man. Uh, it's funny that, yeah, all these years later, and now we get to sit in my retro room <laughs> surrounded, by, surrounded by pop culture bullshit, man. Why don't, why don't you give a, a first-hand account of some of the shit that you can see in front of you right now? Oh, man. Most of it's video game related here. We've got some Gremlins, Dragon Ball Z. We've got Sheldon from Big Bang Theory up here. Barrel of Monkeys. We've got some Pokemon down here as well. Crash Test Dummies. Yeah, you knew what they were. You knew they were Crash Test Dummies. That's fucking awesome, man. That's just because we're similar age. I think. Yeah, so I think so. I remember man. the cartoon. But yeah, we, we're... Um, we're in my house at the moment. We're in Wayne Manor. We, uh, Kerry's uh, 
back from work and trying to spend time with his kids. So we, I managed to sneak you in. I managed to pitch you in, but you had to come over to my house. But Jackie's currently getting a massage. So we've been relegated out to the front retro room and it is a bit of a work in progress. It's a bit of a mishmash of absolute crap going on here. When was the last time you saw this type of stuff? Oh, I got two young kids as well. So oh, yes. It's not really a work in progress. They can, uh, they can make a work in progress in about 10 minutes. <laughs> to, how old are yours? Uh, five and two. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and by all accounts, you're you're a strong family man, and and you're a good man as well. You you live you live the hard life for them. You know? Yeah, by choice though. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean, everything we do is by choice, and I get a lot of benefits from the lifestyle that we choose too. Like, um, even just being at home and training mm. for them, they get to be a part of that too, and that's yeah. that's a really big positive for them. You know, they love going to the gym, wrestling each other. Oh, that's brilliant. Um. And then working away, I get even time off as well. So, yeah. you know, that gives me three weeks away. I get three weeks at home with them. Yeah. So it definitely pays off. So you really sort of put a lot of um, put a lot of stock in when you come back, you want to spend as much time with them as you possibly can. Yeah. And if I can combine that with, with uh, training yeah. at the gym, then yeah. it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, man. That's the life right there. The, <laughs> the people that I talk to who, who live a similar existence, like Jarek himself. Jarek oh, yeah. is another family man. Uh, Sean D'Ambrosio as well, like they all say the same thing. It, it all goes hand in hand and it all intertwines and one thing inspires the other. One thing yeah. motivates the other. So it's pretty cool to see, man. And I can see why you've got the rap on you that you do. You know? <laughs> you, they, everyone keeps telling me you're such a lovely guy. You're such a nice guy. Nice guy with strong grips. That's, it. <laughs> That's like hand in hand. Nice guy with strong grips. But um, yeah, your, the kids must be, I mean... It's not the same now, though. Is it still? It's not still Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z and Gremlins. No, it's and not. It's different stuff. What What is your world uh, surrounded they're, they're by? They're only little, so they like uh, they like Spider Man. Yep. Um, and Blaze. I don't know if you've heard of Blaze. Blaze. No. See, um, see, here we go. I'm I'm stuck in the past, yeah. man. I'm not here in it's the just now. Just like a fast monster truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blaze. That's a no Paw Patrol. Not really. They no. know of it, but they don't. Not too yeah. fast. Apparently, Paw Patrol is like crack or some shit. Like you can just sit them down in front of Paw Patrol for years. And they just get addicted. Nah, that's classic. Man. Well, you have a matchup coming up with Jarek. Have do you have an opportunity to do anything specific in lead up, or do you modify your training whatsoever, or is it um, you've been doing it for so long? It's just sort of like yeah, I have. I mean. Last time I was home, so it's obviously quite a few weeks ago, um, I've been putting in heaps of time with Declan, Lockie Warren, uh, Adam, Miles, just trying to <laughs> yeah. do rounds with the best guys I can. Yep. Um, and I've been lucky enough to do some strength conditioning with John DiLorenzo, who runs okay. BJJ Conditioning. Yeah. Oh, I've seen well. the, the page. Yeah. yeah. So he's sort of doing program for me while I'm at home and then gives me stuff to do while I'm at work really? as well. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. yeah. And you're looking forward to it? Yeah, definitely, man. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to uh, Taylor versus Nora. Yes. That's going to yeah, be epic. Yeah, I think epic. everyone is. That's going to be yeah. epic. And how good is Alan Hartley stepping up uh, short notice for Saeed as well? He'll jump in any time, though. Dude, his, <laughs> skills, his skills have skyrocketed, man. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have been part of his corner for mixed martial arts, and he's come to us for a little bit of guidance. Obviously, he was slightly isolated where he was before. Now he's come down. He's just about to open up a new gym. Stay tuned for the grand opening of yeah. uh, CCMA Adelaide. And, uh, you know, everyone is 100% behind him, 100% back. Yeah, definitely. I know that he's been out with M16 recently as well. And when we when we first started working with him, it's like, 
one of the biggest issues for him was wrestling and cage wrestling. Yeah. And now he's just incredibly difficult to take down. And when yeah. you do, he understands the systems to stand. But his pure jujitsu and his pure his last game, match was amazing. Oh my gosh, man. I don't think anyone really expected it to go down i trained with him the week before and he's really he's hard to judge because he's playful in the yes gym. yes that's you don't true. know how yeah. how hard he's really going and i always thought alan was good but i i couldn't pick that match no and then he no. just pulled it out well i think it's very similar to what you were saying about luke yeah luke is in that Definitely. constant learning state and alan just lives there he just lives in yeah. the flow state and lives as an open book and he's so humble uh, and modest and behind it I know I mean it's not really my place to say this but sometimes I feel like he doesn't think that he belongs alongside those names you know that he didn't think when clearly that, he does yeah exa- exactly <laughs> yeah and it's just crazy because that humility takes over but it works to his favor because he's so open to learn from everyone he doesn't put himself above anyone yeah it's like puts that him right belt mindset exactly yeah. it's always the same and it just means that his capacity to take in knowledge and then translate it to action is just exponentially greater than anyone who has like an ego wall up he has no ego wall up whatsoever and with a guy like that when good things start happening for them you're just like yes yeah. that's amazing you know and Hennon is a good guy in his own right we just don't know him that well yeah you know, we just right. don't know him as and much. his previous match on the uh, M16 is really good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, very impressive. It's just like... <sighs> it doesn't matter who wins a match. No, no. When, when you see high-level things like that go yeah. down and, and the story of the finger as well, the broken yeah. finger on the mat, that was that was absolutely insane. Like, But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Alan and Saeed. I'm, I'm looking forward to the event itself, man. The Blue yeah. Belt Invitational yeah, the tournament, cool. that's going to be brilliant. Man. Yeah, this. Uh, Names that keep getting thrown up in that man. Yeah. Um, Connor. Yeah, Connor's really good. Yeah. Uh, ben Swingler. Yeah. If you've seen him much. Yeah. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Isn't it? Isn't it like it's cool to be a fan currently? It's yeah. It's cool to be a fan of grappling and a fan of MMA. And man, I, I this as we sit here right now, there's still been no announcement about DFC. Yeah. About if it's going to go ahead yeah. or not on August first, it's been. Difficult. Yeah, Just possibly going to get pushed back to September again? Is that a. Yeah, yeah, I'd say, I mean, it seems the most likely. And I guess it's one of those things from our perspective as well as like, at this point, it's preferable. Yeah. It's a very unique uncertainty that these guys have had to go through throughout fight camp. It's not like there's a show coming up and they don't know if they're going to fight or not. They got fights locked in and yeah. they don't know if there's going to be a show. It's, it's pretty hard to try and peak at the right time. And as a coach, how much can I let them endure yeah. you know, mentally before it starts to deteriorate that, deteriorate their life in yeah. total? Now I'm just going to pull them back and rise them up and make them feel like shit every 20 minutes. You know, <laughs> oh, you've got to fight. You don't have a fight. Oh, we locked it in. And I suppose, you know, Jake Hurl, Ryan Cooper, and Evan Glucos, who are all slated, all three of their opponents are oh, from, from Queensland. Yeah, right. And as far as I know, if you're anywhere near Brisbane then you're not allowed to come to South Australia. Yeah. But there's been no official word, so... You need some kind of cruise ship fight club. Kerry's <laughs> <laughs> cruise that ship fight worse. club. <laughs> that sounds heaps worse than what I intended to, doesn't it? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that was a, that's a storyline on Kengan Usher. <laughs> but, yeah. 
Oh, that's hilarious, man. Uh, well, given that you've been a part of this scene for so long, and you've been a contributor to this scene for so long, do you see what do you see for it? the MMA scene, the grappling scene in South Australia? I I feel like there's some really good things going on at the moment, but given the sum of all of your experiences and being really at the pulse of it all for so long, where do you see it going? It's hard to say with all the COVID stuff currently, but surely the wrestlers have to be able to allow to expand. Mm. Like a lot of guys go and chase the guys at the wrestling club and get like one person coaching at their gym here and one there. Maybe some wrestling competition Mm. between the gyms um, would bring that up as well. And I'm completely out of the loop on boxing, but it seems like not that many people have like dedicated boxing coaches. Mm. I know it's MMA and it's, it's a little bit different, but you know, that surely that's something missing in our state. Yeah. I think you touched on something. I mean, we have Lee Jenkins who's, who comes in to run regular boxing at our yeah. academy. We obviously respect it and understand it. And he's been in the corners of, of Tony Caruso and some really elite people uh, from our gym as well. And, he, yeah. and he's boxed professionally himself. I think that, his style too. We're, we're very lucky that he understands. He's, he's grappled and he yeah. understands um, jujitsu. But you touched on wrestling and the expansion of wrestling in this state has always been just an enigma. Like yeah. Why? Well, I guess they're both as amateur sports. They're yeah. both not really properly supported, or they need a bit of work. Yeah, I've I've always wondered how we might get that going, but I think you probably nailed it just by saying between the clubs that exist yeah. because wrestling clubs don't exist in this state. There's legitimately one. Yeah, that's one right. One pure wrestling based yeah. academy. But a lot of martial arts academies yeah. exist. There's a lot of MMA gyms. There's a ton of jiu-jitsu gyms. There's a ton of kickboxing gyms. Yeah. What if, you know, these MMA gyms and these jiu-jitsu gyms dedicated or allocated time to competing in a wrestling competition or maybe maybe switch that up maybe a wrestling competition could be developed that was targeted towards towards these guys yeah 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 that's an excellent idea Kerry Smith's cruise ship wrestling (laughs) competition COVID safe cruise ship wrestling (laughs) (laughs) holy shit no you've nailed it now that's a very uh, very keen observation from yeah, some I mean, a lot of people have over time, you know, joined in in like the, the state championships and stuff, but mm. wrestling's hard. So that's why it people stay away from it. Yeah, I did as well, man. I did the SA wrestling challenge back in the day and, you know, got dropped on my fucking head by an Iranian. <laughs> but I had like good good matches as well. I won yeah. some matches. Um, and, you know, Pavel Lugoski was my wrestling coach when we first started. And Pavel was part of, you know, Lubo's original group. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like... That's what you get, though. You get trickle down. You don't. You don't get development in the same way that the yeah. jujitsu fraternity has, and wrestling being so integral and pivotal and so just awesome in general, man. Like how good is uh, you know watching NCAA highlights or world and Olympic wrestling highlights? You know, I think something you know something I've touched on before is rule sets. Rule yeah. sets make a difference. Yeah, and. I believe that wrestling has always struggled in the similar way that jiu-jitsu has or even that judo has when it comes to rule sets being transferable yeah. to other sports uh, and being trackable as well because the rules, rules always change. Rules yeah. always get changed. And as far as I understand it, world and Olympic wrestling rule sets 
you know, if I make an action to the ground and I, and I fuck it up, like if I try and arm throw you, uh, there's not as much consequence because I can belly out. Yeah, that's right. And potentially be safe from any counter attacks and throws. And, you know, the, the aggressor in that scenario has three, five, seven seconds to make a scoring action, whether it's a tip. If not, you start again. And then you yeah. start again on the feet. And yes, yeah. there's penalties. Yes, there's parterres. And the parameters for those penalties always change. You yeah. know? Uh, stalling is pretty, like, pretty intense. Like, you hold yeah. that wrist for too long, <laughs> you're stalling. Put your head in their chest, you're stalling. You know? And that's, that's intense. But I guess that's just what it needs to be. But I think that that's less conducive to being fan-friendly or transferable to MMA than something like a folk-style wrestling or collegiate yeah. wrestling where you accrue ride time with go-behinds and the advent of like making an action towards the floor and linking it with a control position to accrue ride time that's a technique within itself and yes you'll still get points for turnovers and tips and near falls and things like this which is just intense you know that's a game that's the sport you know that's people yeah so they train for the specific exactly that's right and that i think that is what's made it so hard for us to go backwards yeah Wrestling didn't get massive before MMA did. MMA got massive and we'd have to make some pretty large modifica- modifications and concessions to the style of grappling that we do in order to compete in a pure wrestling competition. Yeah, for sure. But that being said, it would still be so advantageous for these guys to do so. Yeah. yeah. Would, do you think so as well? Oh, man. Just the, it's a complete different feeling to jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the biggest thing. Like until you have a wrestler really put their pressure on you mm-hmm. and feel the way that they switch grip to grip without loosening and the way that they can climb up your body. Yeah. It really is a different pressure to be learned. Yeah. It's a different mentality completely as yeah. well. It's not a passive mentality. It's not just a move you can practice no. with your jujitsu. No. And it's not passive. Yeah. It's not passive whatsoever. <laughs> you're, not, you're not waiting, you're going. It's yep. the way that it's trained, it's the way that it's taught, and it's the way that it comes yeah. out in real time. Maybe if Taylor can uh, put on a bit of a show next weekend, she might be able to be the advocate for that. Yeah, she should be the I first so. one. Yeah. I just think it's, to me, it's, it's just the whole Tony Caruso thing all over again. Here's Tony, you've got an internationally acclaimed fighter who's on an international organization in 1FC who just beat a legend yeah. in Ed Volliang, their former champion. And no one, no one, like no one in South Australia fucking cares. It's, it's insane to me. And the fact that Taylor is here, A, in this country, B, in this state, C, training with MMA gyms and competing on a regular basis yeah. and is at the level that she's at, working towards making the Olympic team. And, oh, oh yeah, Taylor. It's kind of just left to her own devices, which is yeah, Where's the support? such a shame. And to anyone who's trained with her knows that she's incredible to train with. Dude, you can talk to her for 20 minutes and understand what type of caliber of athlete she is. You wouldn't even have to look at what she's done. You go back after me, holy shit, who was I talking to? You know what I mean? Like it's, it really is, it is mind boggling, but I think it's because it's wrestling. Yeah. And because it's combat sports, they just, they just don't want to get behind it. But wrestling specifically, people in this state who are used to footy, and cricket think wrestling is fucking weird. Yeah. They think it's weird. It's because they don't understand it. <laughs> no, not even a little bit. Yeah. But everyone wants to roughhouse you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I suppose the rugby fraternity probably get it the most. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, they understand what 
the mechanics of a tackle look like when you have a wrestler yeah. teach it to you versus just a guy who's been doing rugby forever. Yeah, just running into a bag on the oval. Yeah, it's very different when you <laughs> add technique to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but that's you know, I started playing rugby because you know I'd been a swimmer for so long, and I was just like, fuck, like I need to do some sort of team sport where I'm not <laughs> just swimming up and down a black line. But that's where I found out about wrestling. You know what I mean? And from there, it's like you get opened up to a world of technique and grappling. And maybe that's a thing as well, because it is such a world of technique, just a base human instinct is to go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Yeah. So because wrestling doesn't have submissions involved, when you realize that submissions are a thing, you want to sort of dive into that as the next exploration. But man, we, we could stand so much from going back. Yeah. There's a lot of those guys though. I'm sure you've probably trained with uh, like Stan. Yeah, Stan from the wrestling yeah. club. I don't know. Some of his stuff feels like submissions for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he was the first person who taught me how to do a real gut wrench. He probably doesn't even remember. It was like at the SA Wrestling Challenge. And yeah, he right. saw me doing really well. And he was like, all you need to do is this. And like practiced it on me. And I swear he cracked through this. <laughs> like, I swear my ribs broke at that point in time on the side of the mats. I came in one Thursday night to uh, just move around. I was fighting on the Saturday night. And I was just getting warm, loosening up. <laughs> And he made me do like a hundred throws. Oh, <laughs> I was really loose. Really loose. <laughs> again, again, again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because he wanted to see you do well. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's, that's right. why he did that, man. <laughs> no, that's classic, man. Well, you know, I, I always ramble and rant and shit like this. So sometimes you've got to stop me. But that's why I keep asking questions. Because I want people to know about you and things that you've said. But the most fascinating thing to me is that you know, even with all the names that we've mentioned about people that you've trained with, I feel like even now it, we're still sort of just scraping the surface. Like have, you've been involved in other types of martial arts throughout your career as well. You've been involved in traditional martial arts too. Yeah. As, especially as a youngster, I started maybe, I think I was probably nine or 10. I started Taekwondo and yep. I stuck with that till I was about 15, mm. 15 or 16. Um, and then from there, I had a bit of a break through high school, went out, partied, silly teenager sort of stuff for a while there. Got a bit crazy. And then I come back and started um, Japanese jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. uh, with a little club at Ranella there for a while. And I stuck with that until, basically until I trained with Aruda and the firm, I think. Mm-hmm. That club sort of dissolved on itself. Um, yeah, I fought Dylan. And then after that, I went and just exclusively did yeah, trained at the firm, Aruda, and then sort of went into Ringworks after that. Man, Ringworks, what a high-level gym oh, for man. the time period. Yeah. What an incredibly high-level mix of skills in that. I always think about It was a cool place. It was. it was the other side of the planet to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I looked up to them. Yeah. Like, what, what did I have? I had the, a network of SABJJ. And Pavel was helping me do wrestling. Yep. And then Rikers. That's what I had. That was my network. That's right? a pretty good little I know, I know. Yeah. I'm not knocking it. I'm yeah. telling you. Like, that's why I thought I was the shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But then I look at what Ringworks had. And it was all in one place. And it had guys that I looked up to heavily, like Kim Robinson. And I was like, fuck, man. Those dudes must be the hardest motherfuckers <laughs> it was like on the, the uh, planet. Like the little lion's den of Adelaide. It was, man. It was. Like, <laughs> sort of felt like going there for Saturday sparring sometimes. Dude, like. I can only imagine. Like, and from the outside of looking in, I was like, fuck, those guys are scary, man. <laughs> those are some scary dudes. You know what I mean? Like, uh, It had that 
feel about it too. It really did. What was it like being a part of that in the early days? Um, I guess I kind of got to be there as it started. So it wasn't as a, as intimidating, yeah. although still, you know, Kim Robinson throwing head kicks at you <laughs> or like even Steve Bean <laughs> throwing punches at you is yeah. always intimidating. Um, everyone was really tight and yeah. looked after each other well. So, you know, it was a real tight group of mates too. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a, a lucky place to have. Yeah, when when I got to spend a little bit more time with Trent, yeah, then I sort of begin to realize like, oh, yeah. no, they're like he's really cool, yeah, nice, good people. You know <laughs> what I mean? I, you know, myself and Kim have had really good interactions over the years. You know, we're obviously, I mean, I'm pointing around at all my shit here. <laughs> he outdoes me clinically when it comes to uh, his collections and the things that he has. Yeah. He's got stalls at every comic and toy fair about. Um, all of the things that all the collection that he's amassed over the years and just an incredibly knowledgeable and diverse character as well. Knowledgeable very about everything. Yeah. Very so many different things. Very much so. Yeah. Man. Like legitimately writes novels. Yeah. You know, and, and can coach you with meta- metaphors as well, <laughs> like a metaphor for everything. Yeah. But really got through to you. I would say he's been a little bit misunderstood. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. In, in his, I mean, He's only speaking from his own experiences and he's very truthful and forthcoming with his views and, and his values. You his, know, when, um, his skill level is absolutely amazing yeah. and his knowledge of all the combat sports. Yeah. yeah. So if you've never trained with him, don't, uh, don't judge a book by its cover. No, he's, and that's the he's thing. Incredible. Like, i got a lot to thank him for, for coaching wise. Yeah. And a lot of people do. Yeah. A lot of people do. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's one of those things like I have this tiny little platform here to try to give credit where it's due. And Kim's a guy that I bring up nonstop. Yeah. You know, Brad Thompson, I bring up all the time, Marco yeah. Callahan, and you know, a lot of the people that I looked up to, I, it's like a little cool fan, fanboy <laughs> way to like give back to them. But Kim Robinson, man, legitimately paved the way for everyone. Yeah. Everyone. I, I can't think of anyone prior to him who really walked the walk in the way that he did it and fighting really fighting not not mma like really fighting all comers all comers all of the names before you realize they were names guys just from off back his own back yeah, little yeah. by himself yeah by himself and holding his own and winning how like uh, hopefully one day i get a chance to sit him down and ask yeah. him directly that question how the fuck did you do that man? <laughs> like what is in your mind that that led you to the point where that was a viable option yeah. And you know, just because it, yeah, it's to this day, I fanboy about it. You know what I mean? But do, do you have any insights for me when it comes to that? Uh, it's just the way he trained his mentalities. You know, he's obviously super mentally tough, but the way he trained, he would just train flat out all the time. Like no one would be able to keep up with him. Mm. So many rounds of hard, hard sparring. Yeah. But I feel like if his time was a little bit later, yep. his story might've been a bit different and that's, that's easy to say, mm. but you know, it's a, it's a luck of the draw thing with certain fights agree, and, yeah. and being able to have coaching and all that sort yeah. of stuff. But I like can imagine if he was around a time period where he could have been on the ultimate fighter or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, he's also he, left his own. He has, he hasn't left. <laughs> he's, he's got a legacy as it is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He has. Yeah. yeah. His legacy lives on through you and miles. Yep. Especially. Yeah. Um, he would obviously a huge influence for him, but a lot of guys there. There's Hugh Hillman. I don't yeah. know if you've trained with him no, before. I haven't, no. Um but Tim Cartwright yep. too. Tim, yeah. yeah. Still training the youth of today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's awesome, man. And Steve Bean. Oh, what a 
He's See, a guy you should talk to as dude, well. Dude, I, I remember getting... You can get him I got him. a chance to... Yeah, I need to put him on my list, hey, yeah. big time. I got a chance to sit down and chat with Steve when uh, Miles, myself, and Mike Turner, we all went over and Miles fought Raph on oh, yes. Nice. And uh, Mike for Jim, like, oh yeah, that was a real good fucking idea. Let's do that again. <laughs> Let's do that trip again. But it was a good trip in the end because we all got to know each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like prior to that, all we knew was that uh, Miles fought Ant. You know what I mean? And then yeah. we all became really good friends. But I got a chance on the plane ride back to chat with Steve. And I just found him to be the most relatable character. Just completely out of the blue. You know, a completely legitimate uh, Muay Thai practitioner who understood everything about nutrition, understood everything about strength and conditioning and recovery was, I think he was just in the beginning processes of becoming a fucking doctor. Yeah, you know now what I mean? he's uh, possibly Australia's most dangerous doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Well, look, I mean, I'm not sure what he's up to today, but if you, if, if you get to have a little bit of contact with him, tell him Nick Hughes is interested in having him on the podcast and having a chat for an hour or so because... He deserves a bit of shine too. Man. Yeah, definitely. That. Yeah. Well, we're coming towards the end of our hour now, man. And uh, I know you've got kids to go home to. <laughs> and I've got a girlfriend who uh, is probably going to break my eyes out for not spending enough time with her on a Saturday evening. But uh, I'm so thankful that we got this time to come in and chat, man. And it was as enlightening and, and uh, positive as I thought it might be. I'm humbled you have me on here and I, I still think we probably only scratched the surface on a lot of things I but think so as well it's been good to have a chat and like uh, I'm coming up to a, about a year of of doing just these chats you know about an hour here 45 minutes here I'm gonna have everyone on again man yeah. like I'm gonna get real selfish with it you know what I mean like because I got a lot of requests for people just to it's just like an intro that's, yeah. that's the way I feel it's just like an intro and the feedback is always, oh man, I can't wait to hear more from this person. I'm like, well, I'm glad you said that because I'm going to have them back on and we're just going to shoot the shit properly. Like the first part is just, this is who this is. This is why I like them. This is why you should like them too. And uh, then we can really get into it after that, man. But is there anyone uh, that you haven't thanked already that you'd like to thank now? I don't know. It's a huge list, man. Yeah, um, it goes like that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, coaching wise, there's been so many people. Yeah. Um, there's also been like Leo Ruder, even Kane Gelling. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably forgetting others, but I've been lucky <laughs> enough to train with so many different people. You really have, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> you really have. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they've been lucky enough to train with you as well, man. Don't discount yourself from the mark that you've left on this this generation. You're part of the part of the pavement. Your footprints are in the pavement when it comes to you know MMA in this state and martial arts in this state. And you haven't left that path either. Sometimes you come away to learn and get better, but every time you come back, you do get better. And you're a competitor through and through, man. This is this is what you're all about. But very much like myself, willing to contribute in that support role, you understand the positivity of that role. And that's why you're still here, man. And that's why I'm going to have you back on again so we can talk about <laughs> it more, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks so no, much. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, stay tuned because we're going to be back. Same bat time, same bat channel for all the bat fans out there.